Josh pulling, pulling out one of my favorites. That was planted in my brain. You know, in, in honor of my dad for future shows, since uh, his, his uh, untimely passing really sort of prompted the announcement that I made this morning, you have to find some Bee Gees, because that was, that was his favorite. Uh, his favorite band. Anyway, um, continuing now with State Representative Jess Edwards on the con- question of conversion therapy, which is uh, leg- uh, that which is the subject of legislation at the state level. Jess, there are a couple things I, I want to get to um, on this because you know we we were talking a little bit during the break. Um, I, you know, we always hear people talking about, especially liberals, right? Oh, dare ye not interfere in a relationship between a woman who wants to kill her unborn child and the doctor who is going to, you know, recommend it or, or, or make it happen. You know, there's certain areas that are sacrosanct. So I, I look at this um, and I say, well, you know, don't patients have the, the right, um, you know, to determine what sorts of doctors they want to see and what sorts of treatments they want to undergo? And uh, are there First Amendment issues here? Because, you know, it's it seems to me that, you know, past bills and past discussions on this, there were very real concerns about people who um, uh, approach uh, 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 therapy, psychotherapy, psychological therapy from a religious point of view um, and counsel people uh, on on uh, how they behave. Right. You know, we all have proclivities. The question right. is, do you do you do you engage those proclivities? And I'm not just talking about sexually. I'm talking about across the board. Right. Um, you know, someone who's, uh, you know, who's prone to uh, uh, alcohol abuse, gambling, gambling or whatever it is. I mean, you know, any kinds of numbers of things driving that are out without there. a seatbelt. Yeah, et cetera. So, you know, and, and what are what are the repercussions for, say, faced uh, faith based um, therapists who who. Um, uh, you know who may be uh, who may run afoul of the law uh, because they come at it from a vantage point of whether you think it's normal or not. It it, it is incorrect behavior to to act on it. So I, I'm concerned about First Amendment issues. Right. I'm concerned about patients being told what they can and cannot access by the wizards of smart under the golden dome. I'm concerned about how it affects doctors in their practice. And and I guess part of the concern is we were talking about the nature nurture thing, you know, over the air. I, you know, no doubt I know people who were quote born that way, but I also know people who were made that way by their life experiences, things that happened, what, whatever it is, like heart disease, right? You know, my best friend died when he was twenty seven years old um, because he was born with a heart defect. Uh, you know, my my brother in law's brother, unknown to anybody, had a heart defect, took his life when he was eighteen. Right. Right. Then there are people who work at, uh, you know, work at that heart attack over their lifetime because of uh, their environment, their circumstances. Did they exercise? Did they smoke? Did they, you know, did they eat too much cheese? You know, you you name it. So I think there are valid arguments on both sides of the nature nurture thing. And uh, some things will work to correct a situation if it's nature, but those things won't work uh, if it's nurture. It's, those things won't work if it's nature. So I, I guess there are a whole lot of issues here that I, I, I really think are, are dangerous issues for legislators to start weighing in on. 
Right. I, I just I just want to quickly just state that I, I don't consider homosexuality a defect. I know your analogy didn't mean to, to, to draw that comparison, but... Well, I would say but, anything that happens less than a percent of the time naturally is a deviation from the norm. I'm not calling it a defect, per okay. se, but, you know, it's not 25% of the population. Yeah. You, you, you talked in your earlier seg- segment about the importance of vocabulary. I, yes. I, <laughs> I, 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 I can go with deviation from the norm, but calling it a defect is just a different thing. But but um, so having know. said that, uh, my uh, wife and I of 37, 38 years, sorry, Naomi, I don't know exactly the <laughs> right number, but uh, I, I, we, we, uh, we were introduced on our blind date by my lesbian best friend in college. Yeah. And, and my friend is 60 years old and she's still a lesbian. She's always been a lesbian. Right. And I get and, that. And, and it wasn't, and she, and there was nothing in her life that made her that way. But to, to your other point about, um, the first amendment and interfering with patient, um, uh, uh, doctor relationships, I, I think, um, there are many, many legislators that try to apply a set of principles in an ongoing and consistent basis. Mm -hmm. And there are another set of legislators who will just use the orthodoxy of the day to pass whatever legislation they, in that moment, wish to pass. And there is certainly an effort uh, by many legislators to use the power of the state to control the individual behavior of others. And I come from a school of thought where uh, the whole point of this experiment in government is to allow individuals to live their lives, to pursue their happiness, to enjoy their liberty, and that the state should uh, set up an environment in which they can make those individual choices themselves. I I do not believe in the control methodology of of another party. Um, but but it, but it's something we have to deal with. It's it's going to come back. And and in terms of conversion therapy, I uh, would like to see some form of legislation. Um, it's not. I don't think it's going to happen next year in 2018. But for the 2019-20 session, I think there's a place for some legislation in this area. But I think we should do it respectful that there's already some institutional controls in place. We already have the licensing authority. They can act on it based on the work of the professional societies. There's uh, the uh, work done by uh, DCYF to protect children from abuse, and this is a reportable abuse if they do, if if a child is a victim of conversion therapy as painted by ABC 2020, that is something that should be reported. A person should feel a duty to report if they don't have a legal uh, responsibility to do that. I, I, and I also see a big First Amendment issue here. We have to just be very careful. Uh, for uh, our friends that provide religious counseling, for example, um, there was uh, one aspect of one of the two bills that, that es- essentially attempted to exempt uh, religious counseling from the bill. But uh, as a person who's more steeped in the criminal law than I am, certainly I'm not a lawyer, uh, told me that that provision was uh, a fig leaf because if the state says that uh, that X is um, an abuse, then you don't have a religious right to abuse somebody. Right. And so even though it was put in there, I think maybe with good intent to protect religious freedom, uh, I, I, I think in fact it probably had very little uh, protection for religious freedom at all. Right. 
because if this is abuse, it's abuse, and you can't do it. Right. Well, then there's the whole the, the whole First Amendment um, issue that I see with the requiring that uh, therapists address their subject in gender neutral language. And right. I, I I I don't get that. I don't see how that uh, protects anybody. Right. In fact, I can see where that would do a lot of harm, especially if somebody is going in. Because they they may have they may be suffering gender dysphoria or they may have some confusion about their right. uh, about their identity. Maybe something did happen in their uh, psychosexual development. Maybe they were molested. Maybe they maybe something threw them off. And if all of a sudden they're they they can only be spoken to in gender neutral terms, I wonder whether or not that actually does harm. And and so who is the government to tell a, a practicing therapist? that they must and may only use certain terminology a certain way. Right. So um, so the, you ha- you, you, there's a, a couple different levels of issues there. One is how do you define gender-neutral terminology? I think it's a, a slush term that's very uh, difficult to pin down. It's a little amorphous and ambiguous. But, but in, in any case, um, it's, it, uh, as far as the government directing – the uh, approach used by licensed counselors, uh, I can see the governmental licensing authority uh, issuing some guidelines, but I, I don't see the legislature, the legislature uh, criminalizing the lack of using gender-neutral terminology for, for, for many reasons, First Amendment uh, key among them. But when we broke down into an informal group, um, we uh, had three re- uh, Republicans and two Democrats talking, and I made the point I want to stay away from this gender neutral issue, uh, terminology issue, because I think it, it impedes the First Amendment. And um, the uh, that was viewed as being a very critical part of the entire bill. And, and of course, it was, it was. It was told to me that glad. Uh, basically insisted that that be in the terminology. Or yeah, for in the people language. who don't know what GLAD is. Uh, I think it's the, I don't know the whole definition. It's gay, gay lesbian, lesbian uh, uh, anti defamation. And, something and, and they're probably behind on the number of letters they need these days. But, <laughs> uh, but they probably need to update their name. But essentially, uh, that was uh, an important uh, uh, hill to die on for um, the uh, uh, other other party. So. Um, so I, I, I just want to stay away from it. If, if the licensing board wants to view that as a a decent guideline, that's great, but I don't want to criminalize it. Mm -hmm. And also if you do criminalize it, if you do make this more rigid, then what's the standard of enforcement? Does that make the counselor want to then start tape recording or video recording every single session? Does that mean that they need to have a, a, another second person in the room to just observe, I mean, it, 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 to me, it seems now, like... Are these sessions going to need to be recorded so that they can be listened to if an, a complaint is ever lodged? And, and, and what does that do yeah. to establishing and creating a, a, a patient-provider trust situation? Right. And, and, and how many, how many uh, quote-unquote, patients are going to walk in and set up appointments with the specific purpose of not actually seeking therapy but trying to entrap therapists that they don't like, particularly if they come from yeah, some sort of no, a religious background, no, uh, so that they can then make a complaint so that they can then get force these people from practice. I, I'd say in the world we live in, what you just described is a real threat. Right. So it's not a, <laughs> it's not a, a, as a on a percentage basis, it's not the a a big threat, 
but um, but if it happened to an individual, it would be a huge threat. So oh, absolutely. And yeah. of course, it makes me wonder too on this whole general neutral thing if this isn't some sort of a backdoor way um, to get other legislation that the legislature has uh, that certain interests have tried to push through the general court and failed with respect to now infamous. Uh, bathroom bills right. and, and and things that uh, the state right. has tried to force upon um, right. private entities in this state with respect to their policies on people who identify uh, with a different sex at any given point in time as to what restrooms they can access, what dressing rooms they can access, what sports teams they have a right to right. play on, and if they're in school, what rights the parents have to know about what their kids are doing in school. Right. So you bring up the gender identity bills, which also came uh, through the uh, House Health and Human Services Committee uh, that I'm on. And um, what uh, what those gender identity bills did was something similar in the sense that it ignored the New Hampshire reality. In New Hampshire, the reality is that the um, Commission for Human Rights in Concord uh, has had for 30 years the ability to enforce um, uh, non-discrimination based on uh, the issue of gender identity. And it was really unfortunate the way that got reported last year. It really it made it sound like... Um, uh, New Hampshire was this place of of hate when in fact it's exact opposite. We've for thirty years we've said that uh, in employment and housing gender identity uh, cannot be uh, the basis uh, for, uh, for uh, discrimination, uh, and they've been hearing cases for the last thirty years. So it was unfortunate that the media who knew this fact didn't help inform the public that uh, gender identity is already prohibited in New Hampshire and has been for 30 years, that what the bill would do, would the bill would basically have um, formalized in statute the behavior of the state of the past 30 years. And in the final year of the previous governor's, <clears throat> excuse me, governor's uh, term, uh, uh, she had the state government uh, issue uh, and, uh, from the executive branch, a, a slew of gender identity protections for state employees. So um, the issue of gender identity and discrimination against those with identity issues is essentially resolved. There's still a political fight that some people want to have because I do think it's perceived that the, the, the politics of identity is, is the winning way for uh, for one of our parties, and uh, I come from the school of thought that if New Hampshire is a great place, we ought to just acknowledge that and embrace it, and congratulate ourselves for being okay. Absolutely. Well, uh, State Representative Jess Edwards, we appreciate uh, your taking time to discuss what's happening under the Golden Dome with these issues. As always, we appreciate uh, your sharing this information with our audience all right well thanks for having me i i try to be accessible if anyone has any questions about this and if people want to reach you how best do they do that uh i have a facebook page that they can find or they can call me at 603-370-7885 all right that's state representative jess edwards representing auburn chester and sandown we'll be back with a preview of tomorrow's busy show we're not done yet stay with us all righty, folks, tomorrow, Jim Gadet joins us for public safety this week. And other than that, we have a fairly open calendar. So expect a few more trips down memory lane. We hope that you'll call in with uh, your uh, praises and condemnations of the show, what you liked, what you didn't, what you'll miss, what you won't. As we uh, march towards Friday the 17th, our final day 
on the air. So be sure to tune in tomorrow. I think perhaps we might have a special guest appearance from our number one fan looking at our calendar as well. He and I were uh, conversing extensively through the early parts of the show. So uh, expect perhaps an appearance by our good friend Christopher Duffley. From the entire team here at Gerard at Large, I am your ever humble host, Rich Gerard. Thanks for tuning in. Until tomorrow, be good, be well. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. We're proud to have you in the audience. Thanks for being there. Please remember our sponsors. Give them the first opportunity to earn your business and let them know you heard about them on Gerard at Large. It still matters. Be good, everyone.